Welcome to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A Southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast, our New Year's Eve, New Year's Day episode uh we are on pantheon podcast where you can go to find your most preferred uh uh music style of podcast music genre podcast with me as always jason what's going on happy new year brian how are you i'm good i'm good i see uh the Bengals are still ahead of the chiefs so we need that to keep going we need that to keep going i don't have any faith in them winning this <laughs> game won't do them any good either either way they're not gonna win a super bowl so but i do i do hate the chiefs at this point good yeah yeah, as we should. How so. are you doing? What, it's New Year's Eve. What are you doing tonight? It's New Year's Eve. We just made dinner. We're making dinner at home here. Um, okay. I saw for the first time on Friday night the Kentucky Headhunters, and it was fantastic. It was at the sanctuary, same place where Blackstone Cherry played. I got to meet uh, uh, Richard and Fred, you know, you know, sitting on their tour bus, which was a nice little treat. And uh, got to meet Boone, Brother Boone Froggett doing the merch and that was just splendid it was great to meet those guys I, afterwards we we went back around outside the bus waited for a while then actually peeked our head in there and went in there you know got invited back in to sit down but uh the rest of the band was still you know everybody was still in you know somewhere inside the building so didn't get to talk to greg or or to uh, doug so but hey i got to see him so that's good that's really good so Yep, I love the po- the pictures and the yep. videos that you posted, and you got a good good picture of like Greg getting after it on guitar too. Yeah, yeah, he was really uh, he was really throwing it down, and you know if you get a chance to uh, see those guys, watch how Doug Phelps plays the bass. Man, he just plays it. He plays the bass like Duff does. I think. I mean, totally different style, but just yeah. the way he picks. But uh, so we'll get right into our guest. Uh, our guests. Uh, we have Connor and and Jacob Gill. Uh, from Gill Brothers Band from the Pacific Northwest or Northern California, it's good wine to country. Have... Yeah, like yeah, Napa it's Valley. Yeah, 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 wine and wine and Bigfoot country. Bigfoot <laughs> on wine, um, wine, rock, and Bigfoot. All the three things that you need. Yeah, so it's great to have uh, some uh, uh, representation from uh, Northern California, Pacific Northwest. I believe, like, it, I think the only person Leilani is from. Washington State, right? Um, yeah, either what or was she from Portland or no Washington? Washington, I think you're right. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, she's kind of from there, but it was a natural. So it's great to get these guys on and talk to them and, and just discover a new band from another area. So guys, get back and relax and listen to our conversation with Connor and Jacob Gill from the Gill Brothers Band.
We're here at the guest segment of the podcast, and Jason's going to introduce the guest as he always does so well. Jason, yep, I'm very excited today to talk to a new artist, some, some people, some people, some brothers, and we verified their brothers. So, some brothers from California who are doing a really cool mix of blues, southern rock, Americana, and dare I say, alternative rock. Coming to us from Northern California, we got Jacob and Connor Gill from the Gills Brother Band. How are you guys doing? Doing good, yeah. Thanks for having us. Happy, Happy to be here. here. <laughs> and just which one's Jacob and which one's uh, Connor? Uh, I'm Jacob. Okay, cool. So you and can. I'm Connor. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I have the longer beard. He has longer hair. Yeah. And Jacob's wearing the buddy guy shirt that we already complimented. <laughs> yes. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. How's everything in Sonoma? It's good. Yeah. Um, so we're both uh, just hanging out. We've been recording some new songs for the last couple of days at my house here um, out by the Russian River and uh, just, yeah, getting ready to have a good holiday. It's been a good couple of days. Right on. Yeah, uh, we're pretty much living the best possible life, in my opinion, at this moment, because it's just uh, I don't have to go to my job this week. I'm a teacher. Oh, cool. uh, by by day god, so god I got bless you sir god, thank what, you what, what thank age you. what group what age are you doing what grade uh, i i've worked mostly with uh, middle schoolers but right now i'm actually working with high schoolers so i got uh juniors and seniors that are ready to graduate okay. and ready to stop coming to my class because i just want to get junior there. high kids that's tough because they're <laughs> animals and it's not their fault because all the hormones are going crazy as they transition <laughs> from little kids into adults and they they can't help themselves yeah they I like to think of middle school, uh, middle school age uh, human beings as like, you know, <laughs> uh, they basically have this adult sized feelings coming in, uh, but they they haven't had as much practice with the emotional regulation or <laughs> yeah. executive functioning generally. I don't know. They're 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 kind of like it's kind of like from what I've observed, it seems kind of like um really big ideas but also just like everything's still so fresh for them and i mean i'm i'm only 28 years old and i'm still freaking out so i don't know it's hard i'm 48 tough, i'm yeah. 48 with two kids in college and i still freak out and i can't wow. believe one i'm an adult and two i have adult children like <laughs> there are no there are no rules or laws that govern like yeah. anybody can just have yeah. kids and raise them yeah so like same same severity of emotions but zero years of experience dealing with them. So it's fun. I'd like to teach in middle school. I'm 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 having a good time teaching high school right now. It's it's cool. And I got a music, I'm not a music teacher, unfortunately, but uh I have a music elective right now. And I got some I gotta say we got some pretty promising young rockers uh training right now <laughs> <laughs> under the tutelage and uh yeah, the kids of the future, man. They they make great music. Are you so are you seeing a renewed interest in kids playing instruments or rock music or even the guitar now? Because I know with social media, it's a lot of people on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram that kind of do all that. Are you seeing like that influence these kids? 
I don't know. It's hard for me to say if um, if the interest is. I mean, I think I have a pretty big impact. My school's really small, so uh, not to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but um, I don't know. I have an outsized influence in that community. So since I've started bringing a lot of my extra guitars to school, just to have more, you know, tools around, I have seen the kids like starting to play more. Um, I don't know. I think the interest. I think a lot of the kids are interested in playing music, but uh, it's hard for, at least in my students, what I've seen is like not a lot of them are making that extra step of like starting a band or like, you know, playing together. They're kind of working on music, but in isolation. Um, so I'm trying to help them like realize like we got this, you know, this kid is good at this. This kid is good at this. Like, wow, you guys could actually really like make a band happen um but i don't know i definitely i think that uh when you bring an instrument and like uh, you know when you have an instrument around there's very few i think students who don't want to pick it up and do something with it so i don't know the more and more i'm like working with students i'm it kind of feels to me like okay if you have the tools around like people are gonna figure out that you can use it to do something pretty cool so I don't know I think um like at our school growing up we never there was no band um there was a choir and our choir teacher did a great job with uh with that but there was no real structure for us to like uh play a guitar or or jam and we didn't really have much of like a local music scene at least not one that was very accessible at the time so and we were I think just maybe really persistent about wanting to get that done and we had supportive parents and there was a music store down the street so yeah. it's not like we didn't have anything but um as far as like schools uh i don't know i wish um i wish that more schools just had like hey we have all the instruments and there's somebody that kind of takes care of them and then we let you guys come in and check this out um use this stuff so um because i think like I'm trying to teach kids guitar right now. And I realized that like, I'm actually holding them back. If I, do, if I try to like say, okay, you need to learn the X, Y, and Z. I have like a class of 20 kids. So more and more, I'm just starting to say like, just put the guitar in their hand. And like, I see something really scary happening with the way they're playing. Maybe I'll go try to work on their technique, but otherwise I'm just like, you know, put the tools in their hands and they're going to figure out how to use it. That's my hope. <laughs> so I'm trying to influence. I don't know how to answer your question. I don't know if the because I'm because I feel like I'm not not I'm not a bias or I'm a I'm a very biased. You've got a little bit more direct yeah. influence over the kids that you see. I got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah I'm trying to restore the Jedi guitar as we speak. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what it's doing without me. Uh, you kind of yeah. you kind of answered my next question because. <clears throat> You guys are, are you guys more like in a rural setting or what or more you know rural urban like what I'm because I'm like you already mentioned like the, there's not much of a music scene there I don't want to assume that just because you're from two hours from San Francisco that there's musicians everywhere. Yeah, um, so where we grew up on uh, Cobb Mountain is a small town in uh, Lake County, and. It definitely uh, is a rural area, uh, very small. I want to say uh, the high school that we both went to had a graduating class of around like 80 kids, 90 kids, something like pretty that. Small. So 
um, most of our uh, music opportunities outside of um, what came from our parents and then also what came from a guitar teacher who ran this little music shop in town was uh, played at the local church a little bit, played at the local church, playing maybe an open mic here and there. But we really had to reach kind of beyond um, where we were to kind of try to find other musicians and other opportunities. So we we did we've done a lot of drive into San Francisco and drive into uh, Nevada City or drive into like places that are, you know, Sacramento, like we're kind of isolated where a lot of the the early on, it was basically just me and him uh learning guitar and writing songs with each other it was like yeah. a while before we really started collaborating with other people and yeah yeah it's even like finding other bands and and being able to play shows and book shows we kind of had to reach out to the bay area which meant like a, a pretty significant drive for us but it never really seemed like it was always just like yeah this is what we have to do and like now that we're kind of a little more established and doing our thing like we've been able to go back to like our hometown and play shows and it's it's a little easier um but yeah hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. You mentioned your parents are are they musicians as well? What, what what's their influence on on you guys? Um, so I think both of my parents were musical. Uh, they're both educators. Um, my and uh, and have done a lot of different things. But um, our dad uh, played guitar. had a, had like a cover band in college called the Yellow Pages. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, so he was pretty um, insistent on. Like earliest memories that I can think of is like listening to ACDC's uh, 2000 release "Stiff Upper Lip." Um, okay, right on. Like, so because I was I was born in 1995, so when that was oh, like we were I know <laughs> we were listening to uh, <laughs> listening to a lot of ACDC growing up and um, other things too, other influences, um, but. Uh, that was definitely a huge influence. Um, 
and he's the reason there's guitars in the house. Like we, there yeah. was there was a Squire Strat and an Ibanez acoustic mm-hmm. that were always kind of sitting in his office, and like we would pick it up and like be like, hey, like I think you do it like this. I'm yeah. not really sure. And like he he'd play us some songs like every now and then. He had kind of like put it down when I think we were both born and we, you know, he had to focus on being a, a father. And then there was one day where he was like, Hey, uh, they're doing guitar lessons down at the little music shop. It was called Mark's mountain music, a mm-hmm. uh, guy named Mark Smith. And uh, he was like, is that something you guys would be interested in? Jake was like, right away. He's like, I'm into it. Um, I was really into the idea of being uh, like a blues harmonica player. Cause I had this harmonica. Really? And I was like, this is going to be the ticket. And then I heard Jake come back after a week of guitar lessons. And I was like, he's just flying by me. Like, I was like, I got to get All I was playing at that time was like, this old man. Yeah. Like, this old man. (laughs) And that you saw that, you're like, this is, he probably taught me like, home on the range. I I probably got like uh, one, like maybe, maybe smoke on the water was introduced in the first sure. week i yeah. don't know something like so that. then yeah then i was like oh, i gotta pick up guitar and then i always kind of just became this like you know like we've always worked together as a team but it's also been competitive where it'd be like i'd hear what yeah. was coming out of his bedroom and then i'd be like oh man i gotta practice or be like that's really cool i gotta come up with something to, to beat that you know so yeah yeah so it kind of sounds like just you know you guys formed your own scene and own band just out of necessity because there wasn't a lot of other people doing what you did there you know uh, there's a there's a longer history here too i <laughs> yeah i don't know um we so when we were living in lake county which was a little bit further north a little bit further removed from this like sort of the city center um and when we were living out there um i was like 14 and we had started we had been playing for just like a couple of years playing and taking lessons um but there was a band in our town called um the lost boys and uh (laughs) they had a manager and they were like there was a venue actually in lake county um for like bigger uh like acts to come through like nickelback and kelly clarkson would come and play kiss went and played at that uh at that venue it was a a resort yeah (laughs) yeah bands would play in san francisco and then they'd go up to clear lake and they'd play at this little resort and people would get cabins and stay for the weekend so there was kind of fun kind of vacation it was awesome and it it ended up first big concerts there like we would uh we would um hear you know um Sorry, I'm I'm playing it right now. We yeah, we we just went saw a lot of really big concerts there. You know, Poison. big for our area. Poison, Poison, yeah, I saw Poison. Nice, there, there we go. Sebast- yeah. I saw Sebastian Bach yeah. solo. And, Dude can uh, sing, man. I saw him pre right yeah. before COVID, and he was crushing it. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. Um, we were supposed to see Sticks and Dokken and Ario Speedwagon there, but the stage like fell apart like 20 seconds into the docking set it was, so, too, it was wow. too much awesome for the it was too much rocking yeah yeah exactly <laughs> rocking with docking, much right. rocking with docking it was too too much and then so the whole did, and they, then, did they break the chains they did they broke the chains <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the whole lighting structure fell and then they yeah. like, cut the whole show but so you played in the lost boys for a few years. Oh yeah, it was, uh, if i may of, circle okay. back Go so ahead. yeah 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 so um try to try to stay on the narrative uh, here so like 
we were that there was a guy who worked there uh his name was greg and he um was sort of managing this band of like guys who were like a little bit older than me like a couple years older than me but in high school and stuff and their guitar player who we actually were just hanging out with last night because he's our good friend now um but their guitar player gary was going off to college so they needed a new guitar player and so they reached out to me um and then I started playing with them. And then eventually that band broke up and Connor joined. And so when we were in that band, there was like a manager, you know, there was no music scene really in our county. Like we were just this band that was like, kind of had some, a guy was trying to put some money behind us. We did a lot of like, we'd, we'd go play county fair gigs yeah. or we'd go play at like, uh, even like playing at like a high school or something. Like he would set up these gigs and we'd go travel. Out and we them. opened for Eddie Money. We did open for Eddie Money. Wow, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. that band, which was pretty phenomenal. So, so coming um, out of that, after that band broke up, that was when me and Connor were kind of like, okay, now we're kind of, I don't know what at the time, like maybe closer closer to 18 you were probably like 16 or 17 and i was like 20 yeah and then we started that's when we kind of said all right like now how are we gonna go about doing this you know on our own like what if we started our own bands um not one that was kind of assembled almost from this manager who like kind of was really trying to make this idea of like a band a youthful band from lake county happen which you know we thank him for that it was some interesting opportunities for sure came out of that um, and then I started going to college, um, and so did he at community college in Berkeley. Uh, and so then we're now we're like living right out there in the thick of it. And then that's when we kind of started our own, uh, band for the, you know, sort of the first time where we were like, all right, you know, we're kind of able to like, you know, be responsible enough to have a band, I guess. And, uh, well, it was all, it was all there in front of us. It was like, we moved to Berkeley. We were, we were young. There was a bunch of music going on. There was a lot of like energy in this, like, kind of like punk rock scene. At, yeah. And then 924 Gilman. 924 Gilman. So we, we kind of ended up playing in these different punk bands and alternative rock bands for a couple of years. Um, did a, did a couple, U.S. tours in a van that just like you know eventually it fell apart and we ended up back in Lake County and that's when we started the Gill Brothers Band. And well, I was yeah, what we're doing now. And I was kind of thinking about uh, part of uh, your question, Brian, like creating our own music scene. And I felt like I don't know, I wouldn't take cr- any credit for that. But we what we definitely did do was we kind of um, as soon as we were done with like um, high school and also done with this sort of like. Uh, I used to really resist the term boy band, but kind of this basically boy yeah. band. <laughs> um, Wait a minute. Like when you say boy band, do you mean like just young guys playing in a rock yeah. band or like you were doing pop music? No, I mean, it was kind of pop music. It was kind of genre confused, really. It was a lot of, I mean, really our aim and this kind of was instilled from our manager was like, you guys need to write one number one hit. Like it doesn't like, so anything oh, is that, that it? Just write a number. I mean, so we, we, tried to write, we tried to write like pop, punk we tried to write like Country, uh yeah rock, kind of like indie folk yeah. stuff we tried to there was like straight up like there was we had a keyboard player it, it was me and connor writing songs on one side that were coming out kind of like 2000s rock and like metal kind of stuff um like avenge sevenfold sneaking in as a big influence yeah metal, basically sure. and then uh and then the other set of brothers were like you know a little bit more like jazz trained and trying to write like really concise like 
pop songs. So we kind of had this like tug and pull in that project. And then if, eventually when we got like, you know, starting our own band, it was, that was kind of when we were like, okay, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know if we can say that we built some music scene out of necessity, but we like definitely found in our, and embedded ourselves in one yeah. out in the Bay area. And then we eventually started, you know, throwing, we got an apartment out there for a while that was like four musicians. So it had this like sort of sound <laughs> studio room and we just started, um, Party throwing shows, yeah, shows we'd have like there. four local bands come in and pack it out with like a, you know a hundred people cramped in this like brick room, um, and we started doing that a lot, and uh, eventually, out of that, finally came in this project. Um, I think years later, of like kind of we, we at one point we joined the this like emo bands called uh, Wake but Still in Bed, and we did a bunch of touring with them um as like hired guns kind of deal um and i think after all of that sort of experience uh this was just like starting guild brothers band or maybe reviving it as sometimes we like to say is like kind of was just us you know reaching the end of one part of the musical journey like the end of a project and you know about like what are we really going to do from here and um i think during the we would have, you know, I think we had been heading in this direction for a while, but I think, um, you know, sort of during the peak of the COVID uh, pandemic, we had a lot of maybe more time to kind of think about what we're going to do because we stopped playing shows. We stopped having practices. I think at that time we left a band that we were in um, because, and we had done some like U.S. tours that we had booked ourselves and like been trying to grind it out on the road and uh but we were feeling this sort of urge to creatively do something different and also kind of you know our lives were just <laughs> progressing and trying to figure out how to make our you know our life work and how to like be sustainable and i started teaching uh middle school and um you started you were going to college i yeah. think and so um i don't know it's at some point i think we just kind of looked at each other and we're like man we keep you know joining bands or starting bands to try to like kind of fit into this music scene like when we went out into the bay area i think we kind of look at the lay of the landscape and we're kind of like well let's you know make our like 90s inspired but you know like i don't know alternative rock uh more sort of punk rock oriented mindset of making music um but we were definitely i think looking back trying to kind of uh make something that not necessarily like i think it's foolish if we thought that that was going to be like marketable music that was going to get us famous but i think we were more just trying to think like we want to be a part of a music well, scene so like let's you know like what what are people that we know making in this and like that was the scene we found and we were able to do it and i did i did you know have we did we have influences in that sort of area but i think after a while we kind of started to keep coming back like we, we we used to joke around like we'd throw around like these bluesy licks at band practice and be like ah like well we can't do that on this song you know we're trying to write something like more modern or whatever um but i think eventually we were just like unable to escape that like this kind of music that we're making right now or whatever we want to call it is like we were always trying to uh to make something like this but just didn't really maybe feel like empowered to do it or, you know, I don't know, but now we're, now we're really, I mean, I've, after all the things we've gotten to do throughout the years, 
just being able to like work on on these songs and uh work on new music uh with this band and this vision has been very fulfilling so um and we seem to do okay like we we played a show with some of our old friends in san francisco recently and it was a bunch of bands that were doing this kind of like math rock emo style like stuff that we would have used to play with many many years ago and we just showed up as we were with this band and like we're the only band on the bill that sounds like that but we're just like you know we seem to be accepted for it in those scenes and uh uh, still so brian what does math rock mean (laughs) You know um, that um i've heard it yeah dillinger Is it more like prog rock like prog, yeah Proggy? yeah like time yeah, changes like and all that okay odd time signatures and very technical guitars and yeah yeah so before we move forward i gotta know if there's some details into how you end up opening for eddie money yeah, our manager Greg just knew knew the guy or knew his so, manager okay. had a good relationship. So, so Eddie Money had played at uh, this venue, Canuck Died, that Greg had booked him at, and somehow through pulling the strings, he said, "I'm managing this band of yeah." You know, I think I was like 12 years old. The oldest member was 19 or yeah. something like that, and somehow pulled pulled the strings to get us open yeah. for Eddie Money. Yeah, Greg knew a lot of people in, in uh, uh, Napa, think... Napa, California. I was getting <laughs> the impression that they were yeah. actually like pretty pretty good friends. Yeah. So I think it was like, hey, buddy, help me out yeah. or help out, you know, this band I'm working with. So that was cool. I also um it was I don't think you were a part of that one, no. but I, I got to open for Foreigner under that man's uh nice. management as well. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Now getting yeah. back on track, you know, I'm I'm very taken with your story. Like, you know, you guys, you know, talking about going in the van and touring touring out in the US, you know. Um, and I can only imagine what's that like. I mean, it, for one thing, it's like you guys started that when you were young, which is a great move, you know. And it's gotta be exciting, but at the same time, you know, what kind of character building does does that give you guys <laughs> if you're sleeping on floors and driving overnight and you know eating convenience store food and you know (laughs) yeah um i can take that so i think we did the kind of like at this point we've done the like get in the van and and we went around the the whole country we've done that three times at this point you might have done one more than me but yeah um doing that with basically you know uh, no management or no support behind you was always kind of like our dream. Like it felt very freeing to be able to like book your own show and be able to show up and do it. And sometimes like, sometimes we would be playing a really nice venue. Sometimes we were playing somebody's basement or like you're playing at a taqueria or like, you know, you finagled your way to find this weird kind of DIY show. Put a boxing um, ring. We played a boxing ring once. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like so definitely some of those nights where it like it goes really well it's like it's very empowering and it feels good to be like we did this and we can do this ourselves and then you know i've also had nights where it's like we didn't have somewhere to stay and i'm sleeping on like Mm. the floorboard of the van while everybody else is crammed up on the bench seats or it's like we get done with the show and we're like we don't have somewhere to stay let's just drive to the next city and go to a rest stop and wait for the next one so i feel like um, those experiences at least for me and doing it in like a support role where like you know I was playing bass or I'm playing guitar for somebody else's band for somebody else's project um, kind of trying to make their vision came alive like come alive after doing that a few times 
and you know like you know quite honestly coming back broke mm -hmm. uh not having to quit my jobs having to do whatever it was like leave my life at home leave my apartment um move back in with my parents because I you know I couldn't figure it out it's like man if I'm gonna do this I really uh I really want to do it in a way that feels fulfilling and, and feels right for me and I think like you were saying that's kind of was like a a culminating factor in us forming this band because mm. we we came back from all these tours and it felt like you know we'd yeah, we like... we had done like 90 days almost continuous of touring we did like uh we did a 65 day tour that our friend uh shannon from awake but still in bed had booked um and then we did like another three or four weeks with our other band um like, yeah like so, right after that it was a lot of days we were out that year and we came back and it was just like it felt like we put so much energy into it and it was like you know i'm i'm really thankful for those experiences because now when we go out and we go play shows like we got it dialed in you know it's like we're gonna you know we we started cooking on the propane stove on the road to save money that's one thing we did yeah. we started camping on the road to save money we'd get a campsite or find somewhere free that we can do that we get a little more resourceful and now yeah. that like me and jake kind of get to steer the ship a little bit more and logistically we're behind the planning it's like I'm, we can build that in like we're going to spend two days in humboldt county and camp. we haven't gone yeah. with this project we haven't done anything you know we haven't left the west coast um yet but i really i mean you know, as grueling as all of some of that was, I, yeah, I can't wait to do it again yeah, because absolutely. I mean, I, I want to do it again whenever we feel ready yeah. with some lessons learned of like, you know, like what he said about, um, it can feel kind of disheartening when you're, when you're like completely broke and, you know, you've had eaten way too much peanut butter. The van, break, the van breaks down, or you don't have any AC in Arizona and, in and, the summer, oh, and it's, you're and, you're, and your saving grace is like, oh, thank God! Like, I'm so glad that you know, like that we just got sixty bucks uh, each for to, like for the you know to live on for the next <laughs> however many days, and like, um, and um, you know, so that 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 can be a little definitely. I like, I think at this point now, <laughs> a couple of years later, I'm like. I don't want that kind of financial insecurity because one other thing I never really did going out on the road was like actually, you know, having a plan behind it. It was more just like <laughs> things are going to work out. Um, and so now as I get a little older and I'm like, well, damn, it would really be good to have, you know, some money saved and things like that. Um, and also just re recognizing I'm getting way sidetracked because what I really wanted to say was when you said like, you know, put in your own soul and uh wallet on the line like for someone else's for someone else's dream you know even if it's like your dream is to play music but if it's not really like your heart and soul your project your your songs you know your vision or whatever it can feel a little bit like um you start to question like is this really what i want and so i think for us to do that too it's important for us to like recognize having that experience that like oh you know we're gonna take our band on the road like we want to make sure that they're getting paid like a per diem, the same amount every day, like no matter how successful we are or not financially, everyone needs to have, you know, the basics of what they need to just like, A, take care of themselves on the road, but also um, to not be sabotaging their <laughs> return from <laughs> yeah. the road because the tour can't last forever because you cannot eat SpaghettiOs and, you know, convenience store food only. 
yeah. for that long you know I, I we ate so much taco bell that like it took me years <laughs> to like want to go back to that place so <laughs> i think you know as we gear up to do it again starting to think more in the terms of like all right so this tour is not like a make or break it operation for us we need to just be ready to lose money because it's more of like an investment i guess so um thinking ahead and thinking like well what is everybody gonna need to make to make this work and we should you know now that i'm like teaching and stuff but you know working more it's like okay then maybe we can save up the money to make sure that everyone gets paid like a good amount of money even if we have a bad night you know and we and we have a good nice place to stay like if we don't have something lined up with a friend like yeah we can you know get the hotel or the airbnb so that we're actually comfortable when we do this um because definitely <laughs> takes a physical toll and it's like important to recognize and i don't know reward that i think if you're gonna say hey come and uh come and support my dream you know by viewing my rhythm section because <laughs> uh that's an amazing job but i think we have to recognize that like you know it's it's more work than that too i don't know people need to be fairly paid musicians need to be fairly paid and it's pretty hard when you're if you're trying to do it at a level smaller than like an arena tour or something i don't know (laughs) i think (laughs) from the outside looking in like i have to compliment you guys again because at a young age you're realizing there is a business part of all this you know and you did that other stuff when you were younger and got that you know had that experience and now you're here where you're at with the business that that's so cool to see um so when you guys decide where the gill brothers were doing this are there already songs that have been written and your sound is that just natural or do you go let's try this style or that style or is it just you guys plug in and that's what it sounds like and like and is that when songs come after that or were there kind of you know ideas already kind of floating in your head song wise yeah um you know i can i can share on that i feel like um when we first started writing for the album that we did last year uh we had already had some kind of ideas in in the background floating around it was a slow slow cook but it was definitely interesting trying to figure it out because uh we recorded that album just the two of us um because we were in lockdown We were uh, both living in a wood shop on our parents' property and we kind of looked at each other and we're like, this is the time right now is because, you know, this is the only chance that we have to have, you know, a couple couple weeks to sit down and only work on this. Um, But I feel like, you know, even when we were playing in, in the like alternative rock bands, the punk rock bands, we always kind of had this thing where it's like, oh, but like, you know, I love the drive-by truckers. I love Jason Isbell. This music is in my heart. I love, yep. I love the Outlaws. I love ACDC. I love classic rock and country and blues. Um, and that had always kind of been our roots and like our training as guitarists. Even. Yeah. Um, so we had always kind of talked about like, man, do you want to do like, like a like a country rock project? And uh, I think it just kind of took us some time to get there where, you know, we had some, some experience and some knowledge and it was like, now it feels right to kind of put it out there and, and, you know, brand it as our name. And, and it was it a mix of both. We, we took old, when we, for, in terms of the record that we have out right now. Um, it's a self-titled Gil Brothers Band record. Yeah. 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 Uh, that album was a mixture of 
new songs that we wrote during that time and basically recorded directly like that was kind of the process where it was like okay we're doing the we're doing the you know alt country band or the whatever we want to call it you know we're, yeah. we're doing the rock band and we're gonna <laughs> and so it was like some songs just kind of came out of that you know kind of burst of inspiration but we also reworked old songs that you had written sure. songs that you had written that um had kind of been conceptualized as this kind of you know, true to our influences, rock project that kind of existed in our minds, but while we're still busy trying to do a bunch of other things. And then, you know, when we finally had the time and space for it, it was kind of like, oh, let's look back through. We, we combed through like some of your old recordings. Some of the songs um, were already written and it was like, kind of like, um, kind of like you said, Brian, of like, you know, uh, let's just, what if we try a kind of different guitar part here? Like we, we know the structure of this song exists and we were kind of hearing uh how we had played it and there was there was a few i can't remember specifically what i'm thinking of maybe like nobody's fool um or something where we said like all right how about we try uh no i think it's maybe the day lane daily diet i'm thinking of those like punches on the guitar uh-huh. in the in the verse where it was like all right well what if we just um you know rewrite this riff a little bit like what would we do if we were trying to just like play this i think <laughs> Uh, part of it was like getting uh, not afraid of playing an open guitar chord and just saying, you know, this is actually badass. This is not like I'm not like failing to innovate as a guitar player. If I just if we just like play, um, you know, the riffs that feel good to play. I think that I think we spent a lot of time prior to that in our musical lives, like almost trying to contort and think like, OK, what can I do that's like cool, unique, different, you know, impressive? Um, and I feel like for this album, it was kind of just, what do we take these song ideas we have floating around and just try to like make them as, you know, sort of honest to what we are as guitar players, what feels good and easy for, you know, what feels natural for us to play, I should say. Um, and like, you know, what if we were just going to go into this with like, no worries about how it's going to be perceived um, and just like lay down the best guitar parts, the best songs that we can make. Um, so I think yeah uh it was kind of a mixture of looking back through old stuff and seeing how you could rework it but i think that process too also just made makes you want to write more songs when you start to realize like oh man that song i wrote is pretty good like what if we just played it a little bit different and then pretty soon we were a lot of the songs that we wrote was like one of us on a drum set and one of us with a guitar and we would just be like going back and forth and down to the nitty gritty of like, no, you need to play like, can't be eighth notes on the hi-hat right there. It's got to be quarter notes. We've got to keep it simple. Like we're more like Phil Rudd, less like whatever else we're trying to do. Like, you know, like let's, and I think ACDC was our biggest inspiration in terms of like simplifying the writing process of looking at just like, no, 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 no. What do you do with two guitars? Like we don't need a hundred layers. Like we had been used to doing with this band that was trying to make number one radio hits where we're putting like, you know, a thousand intricate layers of different guitar pedals and effects on things to get like it's the like, perfect crystallized pop verse. Plug a like, Les Paul into the yeah. JTM 800 yes. and turn it up and hit some yes. chords. Yes, it sounds good. Yeah. Like, the riff, if the riff yeah. is bad, like, like no, and like, yeah, even yeah. down to the, there, it's not like we don't have guitar effects on our record, well, but I think we yeah. went kind of for that more of a philosophy of just like, if it doesn't sound good with this like very, you know just basic guitar tone very little effects on it you know like if it doesn't sound right with this arrangement then we need to keep working on the part and um 
or just like figuring out how to make it feel good. I don't know. Now we're, now we're working with like a, a drummer that's not us. So that's kind of a, an exciting, <laughs> exciting I... new <laughs> era. Uh, Connor, you said something earlier. I want to go back to um, with your influences, with kind of drive-by truckers and Jason Isbell. I was talking to my family tonight, try to explain your sound. I called it a mix of like, Jason Isabel and the Foo Fighters, because you can tell from some of the records that you or bands you guys used to play, like the alternative stuff, that's there, that pop rock, but certainly with those Americana, blues rock, Southern rock influences. And a couple of your songs on this record, I'm like, man, that's almost a Foo Fighters song. And I mean that as a compliment. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, honestly, you caught me like as, as <laughs> busted. The first, the first CD that I actually remember buying, was, and I was born in 1999, so CDs were the first physical. You son of I a bitch, buy. 1999. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, and it was at the Walmart in Clear Lake, and I bought the Color and the Shape by the Foo Fighters, and I remember kind of that being a defining moment of it's like I have all this classic rock stuff that my dad kind of had in his CD collection, but that was the first time. And it's funny because that's not an album that was like brand new or anything. But I remember having that and being like, this is a modern rock album that I like. And then I kind of had to work my way back. Like I worked my way back from Foo Fighters to Nirvana mm. and got really into grunge stuff. And, you know, I, there's uh, like Screaming Trees and kind of some of those bands that maybe incorporate mm -hmm. more of a psychedelic rock kind of sound. Mm -hmm. Um I also really like the Meat Puppets too. I, I feel like they have a really cool country kind of influence. That out of Texas, um, right? Those guys are Texas dudes. Yeah, yeah, and like very early to to that kind of '90s alternative rock movement. So I've always kind of loved all that stuff. Uh, I recently I got to go see uh, Dinosaur Junior play. Uh, been a big fan of Jay Mascus, and like yeah. they've always been self described as like ear bleeding country or something like that. <laughs> so, and it's like if you can kind of like peel back some, it's like wow, it's like you know, a bunch of fuzzy guitars and crazy effects, and it's turned to like an insane volume. But it's like you hear it, and it's like, yeah, he is playing country licks, and like there is a lot of that kind of folk, uh, Americana influence in the songwriting there. So, I've always, uh, you know, especially as like a rock band uh in 2023 you know i'm trying to write stuff that still has a modern sound like i don't want it to necessarily come off as like a retro rock kind of thing and i think there's a lot of bands that do that kind of recreation of like we're doing 70s arena style rock and this yeah. is what it's going to be like which is badass uh, which is amazing yeah um but uh i appreciate you saying that because um i've always thought that uh Dave Grohl's really interesting songwriter and has a really interesting. We've seen the Foo Fighters at, what, at least twice. Uh, twice, and and <laughs> actually, I got to see them. I I got in for free to see them at Bottle Rock. Yeah, and that was the second It was time. my first like big concert post COVID, which was like just totally awesome and yeah. just like emotional experience of like I didn't think I was going to do this again, and <laughs> yeah. now everybody's here and we're all singing My Hero together. Yeah, and yeah. So it's cool. It's a Foo Fighters are an interesting band too because Dave Grohl, I come from being a drummer, has a very unique guitar playing style and mm. singing. But then you got somebody like Chris Shiflett, who's an incredible guitar player that does country rock stuff on his own. Mm -hmm. And you kind of mix those things together. And I, I did, I was pleasantly surprised listening to your record because I watched a lot of your live clips first. And then I listened to the record and I was like, wow, like this is a bit different, a bit unexpected, but in a good way. Hmm. Thank you.
Yeah, thank saying you. that. So there's um, a. I wanted to ask you guys. There's always like a a you know there there can be a stereotype of brothers in rock and roll, and they're supposed to butt heads and all that. But I'm not getting that <laughs> vibe from you guys. Like, are there times where you know? I mean, I maybe this is too personal, but are there times where do you guys just have just like a, a respectful kind of thing worked out? If there's ever like tension, you'd kind of like go space. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we have a system. Got it. <laughs> we have a system. Actually, uh, actually, here's what I'll say. We've been, like I said, I'm on, you know, I'm on uh, break right now, and so we've been working nonstop, basically, on music for like four days, which, and we haven't had a single argument. Yeah, it's been good. So it's been a good. I kind of feel like there's something to be said for that, you know, when you're yeah. not just. I think we sometimes. I think we have a lot of our. The answer. The short answer is, yeah, we argue in a very intense way at times. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, actually the song rock about it on our, on our record is mm-hmm. about, is about that. So we, we wrote really? that as sort of as like our ode to, um, to working through arguments for the sake of chasing our shared rock and roll dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's another song that we're working on right now for, for whatever our next release is. Um, that's also about yeah just you know conflicts with your siblings so we definitely have gotten a lot better at working through it but we do have a system uh and we we forget the system sometimes so we'll we'll, we'll have a pretty you know intense well and then it, you remember after the fact hey we came up with a system for this and the system was do you want to tell them what the system was yeah our uh our friend evan he plays in a band called olan samana and we were doing some great band with, with him and, and he came up to me and he was like hey every time you and jake argue and he, he hands me a, a 50 cent piece. He says, you flip this yeah. and just decide who wins. Yeah. So, so you flip it, heads, tails, and hey, you win. You win the argument. Okay. Yeah. And then you move on. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> cool. um, but honestly, we haven't used that system. Like, no. it's untested still. I but, uh, but like, <laughs> but it know, exists. Like, it, we need to. It can get stressful, especially where we are right now. You know, Jacob lives about an hour away from me. Yeah. Um, he's like, pretty close but he lives on a bunch of windy mountain roads and it's like logistically for us to make it happen for us to get to like our show in san francisco on a wednesday night there's a lot of moving pieces yeah Yeah. um and so it can get a little intense but another really good thing that kind of erases that tension is just like playing a show and like playing music with you and like most of the time if we're able to just disconnect it's like hey just go out there and do the thing. It's like, it seems pretty silly, whatever, you know, we were fighting about. Beforehand. Yeah. It's oftentimes, uh, yeah, you know, I, that's another lesson learned from touring, um, is realizing that like, you know, just when you're in proximity with another person, my theory anyways, is just, if you're in close proximity with another person, you know, many times often, like you're going to get irritated, you're gonna have conflict. <laughs> uh, and I think for us, we have enough, you know, we're siblings, so that trust goes pretty deep, I think. So that means we can be like very honest with each other, which means that we can get into really heated disagreements. But also I think like lesson from touring, it's like, you know, oh shoot, like, man, this, I, I tend to feel a lot more pissed off when I'm, you know, hungry. <laughs> or sore or you know not feeling well because i drank too much last night at the show or whatever so i think as we've gotten older too it's been uh, easier to recognize when like oh 
like we're we're having a fight and it's like dude well that's because we got up and we're supposed to be there at this you know show or we're gonna get to the studio at a certain time today and we got up and none of us have eaten breakfast so you know <laughs> no more talking until we take care of that because you know so yeah we're i think we're we've gotten you know just like hopefully hopefully when people work together for many years and that you know that's what i i feel like we try to do is just get better at recognizing those like moments or those things that set you up for failure when it comes to uh just getting along we usually don't disagree on anything huge um though we do disagree we do disagree <laughs> uh yeah we just we talk about it we rock about it yeah that's what we do well i certainly sense like a respect that 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 you know that overshadows everything else and maybe some of the business business as business-esque stuff that you guys are doing there's a partnership there and two and stuff so i gotta ask about the day lane staley died that that's a great song can you okay. go into detail about yeah, that yeah um i wrote that song well you helped me write it we wrote it together um and you know I I wish I had some kind of crazy deep backstory into it, but as as, sim- as simply as I can put it, I was living in Lake County and I was driving to a Santa Rosa Junior College. It was the closest. There's another community college in the county, but this is kind of the, it's where you go if you want to go to community college. It's about an hour or 20 minutes from where I was living. So I would drive this crazy mountain road every single day and I had, uh, I had Allison Chains CD in my uh, car. And I would drive and then I'd go to work and then I'd do this big long commute back. So I just like kept hearing these songs and thinking about him as a musician. And like, I, uh, you know, got (laughs) really sick of that commute and like started having a lot of like existential thoughts. And like, I was uh, taking sociology classes about like religion and death and all these different topics. So um that song in general and it's a kind of a theme that we explore on like the rest of the album is just like you know kind of the mythos behind rock bands and rock and roll and how it's presented to you as like a consumer and when I was a kid watching like VH1 classic or digging through my dad's CDs or going online and researching bands VH1 and, classic was you know great. rock documentaries behind the music or whatever it is like just building up this kind of idea of like you're gonna find four or five people and you're all gonna like you know achieve this moment where you write a song in the room and you find your sound and you're gonna embark on this journey together after kind of going through that motion a couple times like I think I became a little disillusioned with it and I kind of had fun with exploring that in songwriting especially like writing rock music um because there's a lot of tragedy and there's a lot of heartbreak and like that can happen on a grand scale of like an incredibly famous band incredibly talented people and struggling with mental health and losing a member of your band like fortunately that's never happened to me but it's such like a a heartbreaking idea of going through that kind of loss because of how intense those relationships are when you're Mm -hmm. playing music with people and you're in a band um and i think uh that song is just kind of exploring like my own realization of like, I'm in this, like I'm in bands and I'm doing this and these are my experiences and uh, kind of holding those up to the, like the, the pictures of what I thought being in a band was supposed to be like as a kid, I Mm -hmm. guess is the best way I could describe. 
that song yeah well I mean, it's so unique because you talk about like the acd influence and the simple rock but you, you have like a cerebral kind of thing that that plays into it as well that seems to work well hmm. thank you yeah um I don't know. I love I love Allison Chains. <laughs> and I love yeah. I love Jerry Cantrell. Like oh my all, gosh, the, yeah. all the kind of like 90s bands. Like I I ended up really connecting with that because like our dad used to have this thing where he was just like, if if there's not like shredding guitar solos, I'm out. Yeah. It was like his <laughs> deal, basically. So like so Nirvana is like not his thing. Like he just can't get down with it. But like Allison Chains was something where it was like oh hey like this is something that's like i like this and i can show it to my dad and he's like that's pretty cool but you know thick wah beautiful melodic solos shredding well his background his backing vocals for allison allison chains isn't allison chains without jerry cantrell's background vocals oh absolutely yeah i totally agree and and he he has a bunch of great solo work too and he does great yeah. great songwriter and yeah the harmonies in that band too honestly is like very inspiring to like i feel like listening to allison chains as a kid kind of mm. taught me how to write vocal harmonies so I yeah feel like because it's just so prominent with in the mix and important to that sound yeah that was one of the ones that i think you had written and recorded and we we didn't change much but i think we changed the verse we changed the verse i yeah. remember that riff in the verse yeah. and yeah I so, like that song. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. That that was a Connor. That was a Connor Gill uh, <laughs> baby that that made it into the album. And I always think for for a while you didn't want to play that one. Or you, I don't know. It's a hard song. I think for us as a band to play for whatever reason. We do it. Sometimes. We do it. It's in the set. Yeah, right yeah. We started yeah. playing it. We finally yeah. got it. But yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a you just need to stop and break into like an allison chains riff like yeah a wood or something yeah. else down the hole and then come back uh -huh. i don't know what key your song's in but you know you keep elaborate the lane staley reference yeah. further yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we should yeah, talk thanks. about about the record like how that came about like where you recorded it and and who helped <laughs> you if you had a producer engineer or how that all happened. yeah yeah um so we recorded that um, just with the two of us in our uh, parents' wood shop where we were both living at the time. So wow. it was a completely uh, self-done production. Like we we recorded drums, we recorded bass, we recorded all the guitars, we did the vocals all in the same room, uh, pretty much with the, with the same like five or six mic. Well, I was going to say, we mostly use the same mic we're using right now to talk to you, actually. <laughs> That's the Cascade uh, Minjet. Do you guys want to throw us a sponsorship? So there you go. We, <laughs> we, uh, we, we did all the tracking ourselves, and then we handed it off to a, a good friend of ours, an engineer based out of Sacramento named Patrick Hills, yeah. who works out of Earth Tone Studios. He's done a lot of cool uh, uh records like doom metal records all kinds of stuff you can go on his website he's got a bunch of amazing credits he's a really talented guy um i think he played a little bit on it too i think he did a little slide guitar mm. here and there but yeah um in terms of the actual recording process it was just yeah, me and him just, so we would do connor played drums on eight of the nine tracks i played i played drums on one of them i'm not going to tell you which one but I think if you uh, 
we gotta listen and pick if you listen out. carefully you'll find that there's one song that's the weak link in, in the drum section and that's me. Um, <laughs> yeah there's just one song where the, it was great. just not quite as yeah. solid um but uh yeah a lot of it was like i i pretty much recorded all the bass lines uh all the bass uh parts and then we both you know did the guitars and the vocals and it was yeah no we didn't have an end you know i would produce him or you know one producer and one engineer and one guy tracking stuff so that album really was you know i guess taking our inspiration from uh like yeah kind of the first Foo fighters album is kind of like that right it's like yeah. dave Grohl. so i think we kind of we went with this mindset of like you know what we we don't need anybody else to do this right now we're just gonna write a whole record um so it was just us and uh and then we had all these you know stems that we didn't really know how to use our program either i had um pro tools and i kind of knew how to do stuff in there but i don't know how to do a lot of things in pro tools so before we could send it to patrick to mix it um the whole project file was like too big it was like i don't know maybe a terabyte on its own i have no idea it was like an insanely huge amount of data because i didn't know you know i don't know exactly why it got that bad but we just whatever we were doing we were were not like deleting old takes and we weren't like cleaning anything up as we went so we had this giant like behemoth problem in pro tools that was our album that like you know when at this point when we're getting done with it with the tracking we've done so many tracks and layers and things that like the whole project file is like you know wants to crash my computer just to like open it or to share it so we had to pay another engineer that we know he does great work we actually just recorded with him recently his name's isha erskine shout out isha the mad scientist and uh he um he like I we paid him not to not to mix it or engineer it. We paid him for a one hour Zoom like engineering lesson where we shared our screen so he could help us like <laughs> delete all the unused files so that this thing could actually be sent to another person. <laughs> so we did that and then we sent it to Patrick. Patrick mixed it for us. I think we got the mix we liked after like maybe two rounds and we were just kind of like, all right, let's do it. Um, but further on the process of the record that was at least a year because we got the bulk of it done you know over the course of a couple weeks but then we agonized over the vocals and the guitar solos and things like that for for a long time you know we'd have sections where we would just kind of thought like oh yeah there's going to be a guitar solo there and over time it became like oh no we actually want to write a harmonized guitar solo that means we have to figure it out we can't just do the Angus Young like sit down and rip an amazing solo, which we did. We did some of that too. Mostly him. This guy's an amazing guitar player. If you don't know that, <laughs> um, but yeah, we. It was a really fun process. I think we're doing the kind of you kind of caught us right in the middle of trying to get that process back. Um, so yeah, I think that's and yeah, it's it's so much fun. It's my favorite. It's better. I will say. Touring is fun, but writing music, you know, being in the studio, even though we're, you know, really like that's almost like counterintuitive to what most people we talk to. They prefer playing live versus sitting in the studio and spending all that time. I don't know. I love, I love when the song is, is taking form. I think I agree. Playing, I, playing yeah. live is always fun, but I think, um, you know, I feel most 
creative when we're getting to like I also I just like plugging in different amps and yeah. hearing different sounds and hearing that. Oh, how does that sound if we record it? Should we layer it? You know, should we put an acoustic guitar in this? It's like, you know, we did this record and, and we we were pretty much, you know, confined to the tools that we had, but I'm I'm looking forward to as we start to do more, it's like mm-hmm. and we've worked in other studios, it's like, oh, they have a twelve string yeah. guitar. Yeah. That's cool. We yeah, we got some uh, that or we have one song that's almost about done that we did at a separate session we had our friend come in and do some pedal steel on it so that'll be like i think that makes it our first bonafide country track <laughs> nice yeah, yeah 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 got the right arrangement on it this time yeah yeah um yeah thank you for listening to the record i'm really yeah, touched seriously. that you guys are asking so many like specific <laughs> questions about it thank you well, well I, I did say we really don't do a lot of research <laughs> we do some so yeah no it's <laughs> It's nice though. I appreciate it. So Jason, is it that time of the show? Is there gear talk? Is there gear talk part of the lightning round? What we got going yeah, on? Yeah, I, I think we can do it. Guys, if you don't mind asking, answer some stupid questions in our, on our what we call our lightning round, which is always- I'll do my best. Good. Okay. All right. Um, I'll, there'll be some questions where I aim at you individually and then together, okay. but we're going to start individually right now. What was the first concert you guys have ever attended? Uh, I know, and it was. I think it was your same one too. for us. It's Brooks same and Dunn. Brooks and Dunn. Brooks oh, and Dunn. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Red Dirt Road. Yeah. Boot cool. Scoot and Buggy. Yeah. Yeah. The Boot Scoot and Buggy. <laughs> I also yeah, distinctly very... remember a very rockin' uh, national anthem from them. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Brooks and Dunn at uh, Canocti Harbor Resort in 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 Kelsonville, uh, California. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, All right, you one. guys. Live in the Sonoma Valley, famous for its wine. Do you yes. have a favorite winery in the area? Oh, uh, yeah. You know what? I'll shout out um, Horse and Plow. That count, that counts as yeah. a winery. Yeah, they make. Uh, I think their specialty is in, in ciders, but they're in Sebastopol. And Sebastopol. Uh, yeah, a bunch of great people who work there. It's a nice spot. They they you know hire us to play sometimes, and we've done some shows with our friend. Uh, john courage trio and our friends uh in that project so yeah it's a great place yeah, i would say of all the um you know there's there's also boutique winery in lake county i uh gotta thank them for also uh yeah you can tell i'm answering your question my favorite wineries are the ones that have given us money to play there um <laughs> that's a good reason that's a good reason to like them yeah <laughs> really good they, yeah they really hook it up they're a cool place yeah, yeah. They're, they're good folks yeah yeah Good wine, and they give you money to play. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is the first guitar of you? Either of you've got like your, you know, you had stuff laying around from your dad. But what's your first guitar? You go first. Um. Well, uh, my first first guitar was this um, Strat copy. It was called an Arbor. I think that company still exists, but it was just like a. Uh, it had the most ice picking guitar pickups known to <laughs> known on the face of the earth. It was all treble, just yeah. pierce right through, just eliminate your 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 hearing in the higher registers immediately. <laughs> yeah. um, that was my first first guitar. Yeah, I started on a, a Squire Strat, but the three quarter model, the mini one um because i was like seven or eight when i first started so that's what the guitar teacher 
So here, this one. A little bit better quality build than that Arbor. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> was that... Wait, was that dads that you had played? No, no, the little one. It's like oh, the mini okay, one. The short, the short yeah. scale. Yeah. My hand, I still have really small hands. So, yeah. yeah, back then. And good on Fender for making those like those learner, those little small yeah. scale yeah. guitars. Seriously. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Then he got a at one point you got an Epiphone SG. Yeah. Which all I wanted was a Gibson SG, like Angus Young. Yeah. So when he got the Epiphone, I would like ask you to like, because I think I was like saving up my money to get a Gibson SG, and I was like I was. I remember just like going into your room and grabbing your Epiphone and just holding it in my hand and being like, "Yeah, like <laughs> this is what it's. I'm going to be holding one of yeah. these someday." Yeah. So then, I, yeah, I got the Gibson SG after a few years later. It was first big boy what guitar. Was, what was either of your first public performance? Was it together? Was it separately in other bands? <laughs> I think I know what this is. I think it's at the open mic on Cobb probably and, and yeah we were together so imagine like two kids coming into this kind of sleepy open mic with their electric guitars mm -hmm. and their amps and yeah. we played uh we played my hero by the Foo Fighters and we also played TNT by AC a lot of stuff nice. there's a lot of stuff unaccompanied there. no drums no bass a lot just, of good songs yeah, have played so, at that open mic yeah <laughs> yeah and Mount, mountain so, high coffee yeah. thanks Greg yeah seriously <laughs> What do you guys like to do on your days off or time off while touring? You go first. Uh, hmm. While touring. While off. Oh, my God. I mean. <laughs> he reads. He reads books. Yeah, I like to read books. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd say I'm somewhat of a literary enthusiast. Um, I don't know. I, I usually like. Uh, there's this cool website called Atlas Obscura. And you can find random things to do. So I've I've had fun. Like when I think back, grid memories on tour is like when we were like in I think in Huntsville, Alabama. So you look up, you go on Atlas Obscura, you look up Huntsville, Alabama, and it's like, oh, there's a haunted kids playground. And you're like, all right. So then you just <laughs> go on a walk. I like exploring the towns that we're staying in. Um, usually, like I want to, you know, if we're if we're traveling, it's like I want to see something that I'm not going to see anywhere else. Yeah, that's that's probably what I like to do. Go on a hike, find some mm -hmm. cool nature thing to see nearby, or maybe read a book. Yeah, or practice. Connor, what do you probably do? should be practicing. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. I I work on cars. I got an El Camino that I'd like to work on. You can't work on that. Oh, one an ever. El Camino. Yeah, sixty-eight El Camino. Oh, you don't take the El Camino project uh, with you on they, the road. We're not on tour. Oh, on tour, I oh, I misunderstood. Um. No, no, I said when you're on tour, but I'm I'm oh. into this El Camino thing. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I also like to read. Um but no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> no. You're a car guy. You like cars, I, like I like cars. cars, I like cars. I work on guitar amplifiers. I, I do some yeah. part-time amp tech work and stuff at home. Um I like watching tube TV. solid state. What do you work on? Both tube stuff mainly. Yeah. yeah. Um I've been lucky enough to kind of be taken under the wing of our local amp tech here and he's kind of been showing me the ropes and then uh i also built some amps for a small company called jet city mm -hmm. amplification uh that's based out of santa rosa so yeah i like to work with tools and work with my hands and build stuff so we got the guy that reads and is you know the literary guy and then we got the guy that builds stuff <laughs> with the sand that's a good partnership yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so who yeah. writes the, who writes most of the song lyrics then 
uh, we really, we both, our process is kind of like, we both take, um, we both will write songs and sort of bring them to the table. Uh, and the songs that don't have, you know, there's a couple, we haven't, I don't know, I feel like we don't, haven't done this as much recently, but on the record that we have out on the, the self-titled, it's, there's a couple songs like, you know, Ain't How It Ends, I think was a collaboration. Like we kind of had the music ironed out and we just sat down and kind of got into it. Like, ah, oh, like, you know, what if we had this song where we're kind of just like, you know, rattling off facets of modern society. Um, and so then like, we kind of, you know, brainstorm around a concept. Um, and when we wrote uh, Rust, uh, Rest in Peace, um, I was say you said rust in peace. I'm I know. Like, I, know. I'm a, a <laughs> I know. I know. Um, <laughs> we wrote that together because he sings the chorus, I sing the verses, and it was like yeah, yeah. this call and response kind of narrative. So there's a couple. It it really depends. Sometimes yeah, just I, the other day, a song that I thought was done. You know, I came up to the, on the mic and I was like, I sang the line. We stopped it, and I'm like, I hate this line. Like I've been singing this. We've been playing this new song live, and I'm like, I really don't like this line that I have for it. And he helped me come up with another one. So we kind of bounce ideas, but a lot of the times one of us, I would, I don't know. I want to say it's about 50, 50 in terms of, you know, we both tend to, if he writes a song and shows me some cool new song, I'm like, whoa, you know, are we allowed to swear on this podcast? You guys? Absolutely. Sure. As much, right, as, well, do as, much as you can. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, if he sorry, if he brings a cool song to me, I've gotten in trouble on on public radio for this. So when he uh, when he uh, when he brings a song to me that's cool, kind of makes me think like, well, fuck you, man. Like, it's like still that competition element. It's like, sure. how, you know, fuck you for writing that yeah. kick ass song. Now I have to go home and like try to figure out something good to say. <laughs> you know, I gotta, well, sometimes gotta find some inspiration now. So I think kind of puts the fire. I like to double check. I, I like to else. check my work with you, and I feel like we're yeah. always kind of editing each other. Where yeah. it's like, well, does that actually sound cool? And it's like, no, man, come on, do this instead. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> back and forth, or yeah, it does sound cool. Like, yeah, he'll send me a song, and then it's like, you know, I keep hearing. I'm listening to the demo, and I'm thinking like, oh, this song is amazing, but there's this one thing that's like bugging me about the transition. You know, like this section going into this other section, or like I'm not hearing. You know, there's this really catchy part, but you only did it like one time, and like, oh no, I need to hear you do that, like, you know, several times. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. we'll like, you know, kind of engineer the other person or produce the other person's song a little bit, and sometimes it ends up being more collaborative, but sometimes it's it's more like, uh, I don't know, yeah, we it'll it'll kind of go across the spectrum, completed songs brought to the table or. Sometimes it's just, we, we just recorded something today that we have no lyrics for it, but it, it came out of sort of a jam session between us. And we have this sort of structure and we have like multiple sections to the song, but the the lyrics are kind of just up in the air. So I think it's kind of like, well, it's a race. Yeah. Whoever wanna, whoever gets to it first, whoever comes up with a good idea first is going to get that one. So it's going to be fight over Thanksgiving turkey tomorrow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, it, it, since we are doing this the day before Thanksgiving, let's let's do some Thanksgiving-oriented questions. So, okay, what is your favorite side dish? Oh, is Granny's cranberries? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. just a bowl of cranberries. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's specific. It's kind of a cranberry relish situation. I don't know. It's not like I've had uh, some cram cranberry sauce that is. 
I think maybe more sweet and also more like jelly like. But our grandma makes this just like cranberry, like cranberries, apples, and oranges, and it's just chopped up. So it's kind yep. of got this uh, delicious. Is she European by heritage? Fine. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. whereabouts for our grandma, but yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's that's probably my favorite thing at Thanksgiving for sure. Yeah. Connor, what's your favorite side dish at Thanksgiving? It's either that or or uh honestly I like mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes and gravy. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> Mashed sweet potatoes. Mashed sweet potatoes. Oh, sweet. see, I'm not the white potato, but I love the sweet potatoes okay, all yeah. day long. Yeah, yeah, sweet potatoes here. Yeah. Very good. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Are you guys white meat or dark meat, or does it matter? It doesn't matter for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, whatever I can get my hands on. I didn't eat meat for years. I didn't eat any meat. And then I, I started eating meat again. And now I'm just like, man, I want to try every kind of meat. Like I, did, <laughs> I, I, I missed out on a bunch of stuff. Like I want to try it all now. Yeah. I think uh, probably though, I would go with the white meat over the dark meat, but sure. not because I have any kind of independent preference. It just yeah. drilled into my mind from my mother telling me that that was the right kind to eat. For many years so i don't I know i mean jerky breast is great but also like a drumstick yeah. or even a, yeah yeah, yeah. Wings are. i think yeah. uh i think the drumstick usually goes i think i stopped getting that like i used to feel like i used to have first pick on that but now there's younger kids than me and the family uh, so yeah they yeah. always get the drumstick for some reason ceremonially that's <laughs> right it's you know yeah. you got to do that to pass pass on and become a man at some point yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> all right type of pie what's the best type of pie at thanksgiving or dessert pie or dessert apple pie apple pie yeah, yeah. really we apple go pie. apple over yeah, pumpkin or pecan definitely. or sweet potato okay yeah right. I like apple brian pie. what's your favorite pie at thanksgiving do you have one i don't know apple or pumpkin or yeah. no specific preference just just whatever's there we'll yeah. go for that's good i mean i same with me i'll go, go we have an apple and a pumpkin pie for tomorrow so got them both stack them together and have you know Ooh. a com combo combo I'm trying, pie. trying to think of a rock <laughs> joke cherry pie you know yeah. oh come on <laughs> poor warrant they had some good stuff and then that song came on. yeah 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 i know it's so bad that's like the death of hair metal that song like, this, is, <laughs> this is every critique ever made of hair metal all in one song <laughs> yeah unfortunately reverse snare in that song yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh boy all right uh they mean me and uncle tom's cabin is a great bluesies like they had this oh, guy's yeah. had some talent but man cherry pie is just woof. <laughs> it. i was it it take. Off. yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's let's move on a little back to music um what are the last three songs or artists you guys have streamed oh yeah and you know. it's open book so you can grab your I phones know. i'm like yeah uh last well okay so i know I, one for sure yeah that both of you and i it's a uh, graham pharaoh nib is and he's a songwriter based out of nevada city and we're going next week to basically be his backing band up in portland and seattle so we've been learning these songs like okay crazy. nice so yeah, Graham Farrow. Um, he just did a, a new release. You can find it on all the streaming platforms and stuff. I don't have my phone. I yeah. just say, hmm. I have James Brown 
Live at the Apollo Theater. Okay. Nice. Yeah, up on my phone right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess if I looked into my... That's a really good question. That's like a fun... I feel like that's a fun party question. I can tell you the, <laughs> the last record I listened to was a Kate Wolf live album. That's probably still on my turntable. Okay, my last three for officially Graham Farrow Nid, uh, Judas Priest, and nice. Wilco. Which, well, that's a hell of a mix. <laughs> <laughs> I got the song is Rock Forever. That was the last one Beautiful. I listened to. Judas okay. Priest. Yeah. yeah. And then Wilco uh, was I Got You. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, the Graham Farrow Nib album is uh, a must listen. Uh, to any of your listeners, I should you should check it out. He's a good songwriter, and that's always Brian's question: is who, what other artists would you guys recommend in your area? And that's one. Yeah, yeah. really cool. Uh, you know, country rock sound with with you know they're not afraid to turn their guitars up and rip a solo, and yeah, yeah. Sounds like you guys. I brought it. <laughs> I brought him up on Spotify, Spotify, <laughs> and then I'm seeing like there's a you know when you get to the bottom it says like you know whatever the band name of the band is radio you know yeah yeah yeah. grand pharaoh nib radio and then <clears throat> another one of our future guests is in the honey island swamp band out of new orleans honey island swamp is, is band. Yeah. yeah cool so nice i've heard of the pine box dwellers before and seen some other songs i'll be checking that that's, out that's cool. interesting. Yeah, i want to check that out what band showed up on that that's we just interviewed them last week Nice. I'm nice. not familiar. I have to check them out. Yeah. Check them out. Um, yeah. All right. If you guys could choose any bill to be on for one night with artists living or dead, who would you choose? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's a crazy question. Man. Any artist living or dead? Any artist living or dead? They could play with any artist you want for one night. <laughs> Man. Uh, I'm gonna give a living artist. I'm gonna say Pavarotti. <laughs> Pavarotti. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say John Fogarty is gonna be Whoa. my answer. Nice. Um, just because I feel like you know we're obviously not from the same place, but regionally, kind of our yeah. sound and the music yeah. we make. I Creedence Clearwater is probably one of my biggest influences from that, and uh, Green River is actually about uh Huda Creek, right? Which is the the what do they call that? Like the head falls where, where the river starts, where the creek starts, is on Cobb Mountain where mm. we both grew up. So there is a connection yeah, there. The, the mouth or the yeah. head of the creek. Yeah. So John Fogarty, that's my answer. That's a good answer. I'm gonna go with Buddy Guy. Okay. Ah, I'm gonna take a in the shirt. circle nice. back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but also because I have a vendetta because when we were like 13, when we saw Buddy Guy for the first time, Connor Gill got called up on stage. So what? Buddy Guy comes out into the crowd with his guitar and he's yeah. like going up to everyone and like having them like strum the strings while he plays, you know, his blues licks, yeah. doing his crowd participation thing, which I don't think any guitar player does that better than Buddy Guy. Um, no way. But he, so he runs out into the crowd and, uh, and he um, goes up to Connor and Connor goes, like i don't know i think buddy guy's trying to say like here do this with your hand and he goes i i play guitar <laughs> so <laughs> so then buddy guy gets on stage and i was like 
I was maybe 13 or 14 at the time. Yeah, I'm like nine. Yeah, so like a, yeah, a year yeah, into taking yeah. lessons or something. Yeah, so yeah. you've been playing for like. But I was like, but I was like, I know, man, I play guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm and nine. So, I got this down. So then there's guy. this great exchange where where Buddy Guy goes back up on stage and but before he starts the next song, he's like, I was out there and I talked to a kid and this kid said, No, I play guitar. So he's like, Well, I invite that kid up on the stage, and so then Connor. And by the way, at this point, I'm not happy for my brother. I'm freaking pissed <laughs> that I'm just like, why is this not me right now? I should be getting called up on stage with Buddy Guy. But I learned, I had to learn to be happy for you. He got up there and uh, he, sh- yeah, you shred. You did a great solo. It was awesome. Um, yeah. So I, w- I want to, you want your chance. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. I just need, I need so... Buddy Guy to know that he didn't quite, you know, he didn't know everything about the about what was in that building. Okay, you gotta bounce <laughs> us out. You gotta bounce yeah. out in the family. Yeah, because I thought he was gonna get like a you know a contract from that or something. Like for <laughs> sure. Like my brother just got picked up by Buddy Guy. I'm <laughs> never gonna see him again, and my shot is ruined. <laughs> so yeah, oh no, no, um, that's a good story. Yeah. But I, I gotta say, Buddy Guy, the last time we saw him, he said the the best thing about playing guitar that I had ever heard, which was just. He said, like, you know, if I couldn't make someone smile with this thing, then I wouldn't I wouldn't play it at all. And so I feel like playing sharing a stage or playing with Buddy Guy would just be amazing. He just brings so much like just joy into the guitar um, to watch him play. is pretty, pretty amazing experience in that way. Yeah. 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 All right, like last that. lightning round question for you guys. It's very critical, very important. Oh, man, I don't want the lightning make round sure. to end. But okay. Make sure. What is a guilty pleasure musically for you guys? You can answer this individually. Or something we'd be surprised to hear that you like. <laughs> you go first. Oh, uh, what? I have to go to Yeah, you go first. A guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like for me, we do a blues and southern rock podcast, but I'll listen to Belinda Carlisle all day, every day. <laughs> Dang. Um, I have no regrets, so I'm not guilty about anything. Everybody no, says that. <laughs> <laughs> that you like. How's that? What would it be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here? Um, I'm trying to think. You know, we were talking Warrant earlier, and I feel like with our music and what we play people don't always expect it but like i love hair metal and i love glam metal to like like that music was my first love um so cinderella and and that's a great choice and like Mm. you know it's it's bands that kind of have a pretty heavy cheese factor behind it but like i love it i love that stuff i I have one guitar cabinet. It's like it's my prized possession because it used to belong to Tracy Guns from the LA Guns. What? Really? Like, what? like I, I just lo- I look at that and I'm just like, that is like rock and roll history right there. Like that is. Did so you buy it from him directly or somebody else that had he had sold it to and got it from? Somebody else had it locally. Okay. I was living in Oakland at one point and I just saw it go up. It's like vintage high watt cabinet. Uh, and then on the back, it's big spray paint stencil LA guns. And I was like, no way. And so send us a picture of that because Tracy's gonna be on the he's gonna be on soon. And we've had okay. Ace on a couple of times. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would love to bring that up. Sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that cabinet. Sounds great. So 
for me it's hair metal it's all the all the sunset strip just like vocals way up high and shredding guitars and floyd rose dive bombs all that stuff <laughs> well, oh, yeah. that's a great that's a, that's a great answer yeah Connor. that's where i started too Yep, that's where we all start. Jacob, it's gonna be hard to top that. What do you got? I know. I don't know what to say. Um, I really. I'm don't just gonna know. say you can't top that. So no. So yeah, I can't. No pressure. Can't. No pressure. Um, you're a big folk guy. You love a lot of folk music. Yeah, that doesn't exactly rock very hard. So oh, that's why it has to be guilty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> it's unexpected. I don't know. Yeah, what's um. I really like, uh, I don't know. Have you guys heard of Blaze Foley? No. Or, okay. Maybe I'll just throw that one out there as uh, a good music recommendation too, because I, I don't know. Okay. But wait, I want to start over my, my guilty pleasure. I was going to say whatever that, I don't know what it's even called that Doja Cat album that Doja Avalon Doja. was. Sharing. Yeah, exactly. Doja, Doja Cat. Cat. All right. That's, That's my guilty answer. pleasure. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, but Blaze Foley is like a folk singer songwriter dude. He's 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 good. Awesome. Current, current artist. Yeah. We, no, 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 no. He um he was like an 80s guy in Texas. Yeah. I I feel like we would talk to our first concert was Brooks and Dunn, and I feel like you and I both have mm. a heavy dose of like pop country and early two thousands kind of like okay, early my... Taylor Swift and like Rascal Flats and like anything that kind of had like a twangy sound but delivered yeah. a, a solid pop song. I, that yeah, gets a, no, that I, gets a thumbs up. I'm sorry, my too, my so. obvious answer, the one I'm avoiding this whole time, <laughs> is just I don't even because I don't even I'm like I'm offended talking around I, it. I'm offended that I would consider this a guilty pleasure, so I'm offended at myself. Um, but Avenged Sevenfold, that was like my favorite Ooh. band uh in high school it's like one of the only bands that i have like followed with an obsessive level of fandom and it's the only band where you know they just put out a new album uh like this year and like it doesn't matter what's happening it's probably one of the few bands where i still have like it doesn't matter anything else that i do today doesn't matter because this album came out so i'm gonna listen to it you know nice um so i love that band and i think uh a lot of folks you know think they're corny or whatever but i have to give them credit for just you know awe-inspiring blistering fast lead guitar work you know that 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 band was a big influence on me in high school i have no problem with that choice to you brian yeah i do not have any problem with that oh, hell yeah so you guys are cool yeah. <laughs> well we're totally cool <laughs> <laughs> we, we we say so ourselves <laughs> <laughs> all right guys uh thanks for getting on jacob and connor where do our listeners go to find out more about your music what's what's happening with tours merch any of that good stuff where do you direct us uh yeah the best place for us at this point in time is you know um facebook guild brothers band instagram is at guild brothers band um we have uh youtube you can subscribe to our channel there guild brothers band all the streaming platforms. Yeah, Apple on music, Spotify, Spotify. Yeah. Oh, what is it called? Apple Music. Man. Apple Music. Spotify, <laughs> Apple Music, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Uh, we got a Bandcamp uh, website you can go to. You can support us directly there on Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah you can buy your stuff, pay money for it. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a and, good Yeah, and you know, we're, we're trying to get better. We're going to be putting merch up on that soon, someday. And I think, yeah, it'll just be, that's one thing. That's the next step killbrothersband.com keep your eyes peeled <laughs> but yeah for the most part i think um 
on the streaming platforms and Instagram is probably where we're best at sharing information most consistently. So yeah. Yeah. So give us a follow, you know, we're going to be putting out new music sometime next year. Like, I don't know. Probably around March. Yeah. I was going to say February or March, maybe. Uh, We're working on more new music and I got some shows coming up. If you're from the Bay area, then uh, you can find all our gigs that way. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Over to you, Brian. Well, thank you so much to uh, to Jacob and Connor Gill from Gill Brothers Band. Man, anytime you guys want to come back on, we'd love to have you. We're going to be watching your career. We're going to be supporting you. We're going to be staying in touch. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. What an awesome discussion. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Brian. And thank you, Jason. And thank you to your listeners for, for hearing out my long-winded answers. <laughs> Yeah, we'd love to come back on, so we hope to see you soon. Thank you so much to Jacob and Connor Gill from Gill Brothers Band for joining us. Once again, uh, we find some more uh, musicians, band members who also teach music, which seems to be seems to be a common theme. And uh, also, I you know I think my you know just one of my favorite things is that song, "The Day Lane Staley Died." Yeah, I'm getting the backstory behind that because, you know, it's an interesting song title. So really, you want to know the origin of it. And we got a really good explanation of it. And kind of like with you, Brian, I love that they're brothers. I love that they teach music or are involved in the music scene. And these two guys got together in essentially a little cabin, a little shack to make this to make this record during COVID. Yeah, and very supported by their parents and whatnot. And uh, also interesting to hear, you know, when they have to go into uh, San Francisco and play some gigs. So it was just really, really great to get those guys on and talk to them. I uh, hope to do so again. Um, just really quick before we uh, get out of here, there's something going on in Oklahoma. I mean, I've known about Reed Southall, Reed, Reed Southall, Southall, yeah, Southall, and there's a couple other bands, White Lighters and Gannon Fremen and Sea Crab. Something's going on in o- Oklahoma, and I'm gonna find out. Mm. <laughs> I think our buddies in them Dirty Roses are doing a spring tour with the Southall band because they are yeah, coming they back go. to Columbus, Ohio. Right. And I'm going to go see them. Cool. Uh, the only thing I can think of is Boone mentioned there's new Otis single dropping in February. So we'll uh, try to get him back on. So awesome. Um, Love but, those guys. Uh, but you guys uh, have a great uh, happy New Year's, New Year's Day. And always remember Southern Rock is forever. Blues is blood. We'll see you next time. <laughs>
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 